And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Hockey is back and a lot of stuff has happened. We told you about the questions in Arizona after John Chaka submitted his resignation before the team's playing series began. On the first official day of resumption, exclamation marks of fury were hurled from Winnipeg to Matthew Kachuk's hotel room after a questionable hit he made on Mark Shifley led to a pretty scary injury. And if things continue at this rate, we might see some shocking upsets. Episode 230 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. We and can now officially say it. Hockey is back. Games are being played. And a lot has already happened. Yep. Uh, to the point where um, we could see some very dramatic upsets. Yep. So we're going to talk, I mean, we're going to talk about John Chaka and the Matt Kachuk Shifley incident um, on these, because those are the two biggest stories in the past two weeks. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it, we should at least mention some, uh, some of the other stuff that's happened so far um, in these playoffs. Uh, first off, I, I feel like it's, it's just so weird, like having no fans in the in the games. Like I was watching Premier League soccer, and it was fine. Baseball is a little weird without fans, but you get used to it. Um, it's just, it's just like I feel like fans are such a huge part of the team's momentums and stuff. Um, oh yeah, where like Montreal so, for yeah. sure. Montreal feeds yeah. off their fans big time. Exactly. So it's like. Um, so it feels like it's it just, and I was watching the play the OT of that Pittsburgh Montreal game and it just didn't feel like OT to me because I was like, where are the fans getting like you know like yelling or booing or whatever? It just you know I think it made me realize how involved fans are with with the game of hockey. I mean, of course, like. Um, it's always better to watch games live, but like it was even more of a factor here where it just feels so weird seeing these guys um, without fans or seeing this game without fans. Um, anyways, uh, both 12 seeds won on Saturday, uh, just as everyone predicted. The Oilers and the Penguins both lost to the Blackhawks and the Can Canadians, respectively. Um, it's kind of... It's funny because the if you pay attention to March Madness every year, like the twelve five uh, upset is like a very common upset for some reason. Um, so it's <laughs> it's uh, it might happen here in in hockey. I don't th think the Penguins or the Oilers are gonna lose this series. Still, I mean they didn't look good in Game One. Um, at least the uh, the Oilers didn't, but. Um, I don't think I still think they'll they'll win, um, just maybe not like in four or five games, not uh, not three games. Um, oh man! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I thought you were gonna talk about how yeah. like you just it, don't want. It, 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 it. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. Uh. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think it's safe to say that um, the 12 seed winning is the last thing I want, simply because it means the five seed is going to get something they probably don't deserve. Right. Um, especially when you look at the Penguins and Oilers with their lottery yeah. luck, like um, 
obviously we all know Wayne Gretzky wasn't drafted, but Connor McDavid was Modern drafted, them, yeah. and that's how the Oilers got him. Taylor Hall was drafted, that's how they got him, first yeah. overall pick. And you look at Pittsburgh, Mario Lemieux, Sidney Crosby, yeah. both caused by winning the lottery. Uh, well, Crosby was, but, you, you know, like the first overall pick back in the Lemieux days, right. um, the, the Penguins were terrible, and it, and it went to the last place team automatically. But the fact that one of these good teams that doesn't really deserve Alexis Lafreniere could potentially get him scares the crap out of me. So I really don't want Pittsburgh and Edmonton being six feet uh, close to that draft lottery floor. So um, that's why I kind of hope and expect that those teams will win. Edmonton, I know, is playing for, you know, their fallen teammate Colby Cave, right. but the Hawks showed a lot of urgency. Dominic Kubelik was just lighting them up. Um, their goaltending, Mike Smith, didn't have a good game. They they cannot have inexcusable performances like that. Yeah. Like, their power play was good, but they gave up three power play goals. Like, yeah. if you do your part, if you play your solid defensive style of game, you will win this series, and you will win it very, very quickly. Yeah. If you let – they could bury you. And they they already got one against you. They cannot get even the luxury of having a fifth game because I could see a potential upset there. Chicago gets another win. Yeah. Um, Pittsburgh, it's all about execution. Like they were swarming Montreal. They yeah. had Montreal on the ropes, and Montreal gets twelve shots in the overtime period. And the reason why twelve shots is important. That overtime period didn't even last seven full minutes, which means <laughs> Montreal averaged 1.71 roughly, 1.71 shots per minute in that overtime frame. Like, Montreal doesn't have the firepower that Pittsburgh has, but they can generate shots on goal. And if you give them chances to score, you're, they're bound to score in at least one of them. Right. So Pittsburgh needs to band down the hatches and play their game and, and play tight defense. Uh, because you you can't again let teams like Montreal hang around because they they do have the talent uh, to make you pay um, and and even bigger than that you look at uh, series like Columbus Toronto Minnesota Vancouver sometimes boring hockey is going to get yep. you wins and yeah, for sure teams that are probably in the best position to win um, they can't take the situation for granted because they could be going home. And yeah, they could was, be going home before August 10th. So, at least, um, yeah, I definitely yeah. see potential up right here. Yeah, at least for, like, the Penguins, they at least made it to overtime and they looked pretty good. I think I would expect them to be hungry now. Um, so I think they're in good shape. Obviously, you don't want to lose game one in a three-game, in a five-game series. But um, I think they're okay. Mm -hmm. Because uh, they could have just as easily won that game. But, yeah, Edmonton needs to pick it up. You mentioned Columbus beating uh, Toronto. Uh, the Canucks lost to Minnesota. The thing that was interesting about that Canucks game was that Minnesota um, seemed to like be the more aggressive team, which is something that I think a lot of teams don't realize that they should do. Because you have Pedersen, you have Quinn Hughes, they're very skilled players, but they're also like lightweight. Um, like they can be knocked off the ice pretty easily. So I think that's that's kind of the 
that's kind of what the uh, the sense I got was is that these players are they're very good players obviously but they're also not as um heavy um to begin with in terms of like the muscle stuff so maybe i think the the wild are kind of taking advantage of that um mm-hmm. like you, you, yeah. you look also um speaking of series that have not disappointed um columbus or uh, not columbus uh carolina and the rangers yep um I'm glad I was right about that series being very, very fun to watch. Uh, I love yep. the first two games. Aho and Sveshnikov have just been a force for Carolina. Yep. And uh, unfortunately for the Rangers, Shizurkin, uh, for undisclosed reasons, hasn't played in yep. either game. And I think that's been a difference. Yeah. Um, I mean, Lundqvist has looked good, though. But yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but Shizurkin's been on, a, on another planet this year. Right. And so the Rangers just seem to really feed off his play. Right. So it does seem like he's injured and all that stuff. Um, and then uh, we have two other things. First off, Matt Dumba made a speech on Black Lives Matter before the. Um, I believe it was before the. It was the second game of the oh the, it was, the it was uh, Edmonton yeah. uh, Chicago because then uh, Darnell Nurse and Malcolm Subban like while Matt Dumba kneeled uh, Nurse and uh, and Subban uh, touched uh, Dumba's shoulders um, mm-hmm. it was a nice moment and it's I'm glad that the NHL is at least doing something but um, it is kind of ridiculous that they had to get someone from another team to make a speech and kneel and then meanwhile everyone else in the circle or whatever isn't kneeling or like we still don't have mm-hmm. anyone kneeling um at the games and stuff it's just um like it's a good it's good progress but it's still like other leagues are doing it so much better it, it just makes you ashamed of of um ho- being a hockey fan because of it but yeah um, like, at least like it's just something. matt matt dumba like full kudos to matt yeah. dumba like he, he had he had the the guts and the courage to take a knee, oh, yeah. and no one else and no one else joined him. I know that he was he was the only one knee that entire yeah. time. Um, and still he's the only one to knee uh, kneel. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, crazy. Um, and then uh, yeah, and and uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, and the, lastly. Uh, I know it's a round robin, but Nazem Kadri scored with 0.1 seconds left uh, to beat the Blues. Um, so it's funny because it's like the Leafs lose like about an hour after uh, this happens. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Nazem Kadri, he may actually be good in the playoffs. Um, so it's just, it's perfect for the Leafs. Um, all right. Yeah. I will. I will add uh, to that point by saying, watch out for Philly and Colorado. They're going to be very, very dangerous, and they yeah. and they proved it in the first game they played. Yeah. Uh, so check. Uh, so now we get into uh, what we kind of teased it last week because this happened last week. Um, oh, unless you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into no i I think we pretty much covered everything in in the world of news um we'll probably the next time we record uh we're thinking of doing it when every series is done and the draft lottery phase two has been completed so that we can just talk about everything at once uh so that will probably be august 11th so just an fyi for the next episode yeah Um, by the time we record that everything will be decided for round one probably 
the fun thing about this is I I'm now watching a hockey game while we record the Jets. <laughs> yeah, tough playing. to keep track of all the hockey games, but uh, that's that's not the that's not the worst thing in the world. At least For we sure. have hockey to react to. Yeah, I just have it on in the background as I'm doing other things. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, uh, uh, this is what happened last week, but we, we said that we would talk about it more in detail, and so this is more in detail because more things came out. Uh, so uh, Cheka resigned from the Coyotes, and it felt like he, uh, he made a deal with the Devils, as they say. Um, yeah. I, I, just, I, I just wanted to get that pun in, so pun intended. <laughs> Yeah, um, we, we have to. We yeah, have to take advantage of that exactly. opportunity. That's actually going to be the title of this episode. <laughs> yeah, we devil. might as well make it the title. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, so yeah, Cheka gets, uh, makes a deal with the devil, and now the Coyotes want the NHL to look into it. Um, it sounds like Batman... Batman has said that he uh, he's, he's kind of... Um, uh, he's going to look into it, and he's disappointed by his decision to quit on the team or resign. Um, and so it appears that Batman is... There's no timeline yet because of the playoffs and stuff, but um, it appears that Batman is upset with Chica, um, and there may be some more like punishment that's going to happen because of this. Uh, so just a quick overview of what happened in case... You didn't get the full details or have been living under a rock, um, which is possible, I guess, if considering this is the pandemic, it's probably good to be under a rock right now. Um, anyways, uh, Cheka, uh, so asked to be interviewed by the devil. So here's what happened. Um, I have here, I guess I is slightly wrong here in my notes, but uh, so Initially, the Devils asked the Coyotes uh, to talk to Cheka, um, and Marulo, the owner of the Coyotes, said no um, because they, you know, they just locked this Cheka up um, to a long-term extension, and um, you know that that just shows that they they don't want him talking to another team, so it wouldn't be worth interviewing it. Um, and then mm -hmm. yeah it should also be noted uh, three years left on Cheka's deal at the time yeah. he walked away and then what ended up happening is Cheka heard about this um, and said that he he wanted it to be um, this like from what he was told that this was going to be a um, you know a, a position that's even more than a general manager and pr president um, role, which is what the role he has in um, in Arizona, um, and I guess it's because the owners in New Jersey also own the 76ers. I think they own a soccer team too. Um, so they yeah they they own a they own an EPL team called Crystal Palace. Right, it's a cool name. Um, mm -hmm. um, and your yeah. team is man, but the but the at least the name's good. Yeah. Right. Um, so, like, that was reportedly it, and then it turned out that it was actually just a GM role, um, or that's what it turned out to be. So then the Coyotes just get pissed off because they're like, what? Uh, like, he, he lied to them openly and all that stuff. So uh, that's when uh, things started to fizzle out after that. Um, 
Uh, and he, yeah, he was given a Godfather type offer from New Jersey, who also had a stake in the Sixers, as I mentioned. Uh, Freeman mentioned that Shaco would be involved with other sports teams. Um, also, uh, Hall was uh, talking with contract negotiations at dinner with ownership, but Shaka was noticeably not present, uh, which is obviously strange considering he was the act, he was the GM and the, um, you know, the hockey president of hockey operations at the time. Mm-hmm. Which, so, which is, which is his job. His yeah. job is to negotiate with players. And he brought in Taylor Hall in the first place. So it's like, mm-hmm. um, so it's strange to, for that to happen. Um, and I think at that point they were just like, you know what, this is where, um, like they were going to wait till after the playoffs to announce this, but Chico was just like, um, are you actually going to do that? Um, and then, um, so then Chica just quit. Uh, so team says that he quit on them. Um, and then Chica says that it likely wasn't going to work out. Um, so yeah, they, they, um, they are at a war of words, so to speak. And they're not, it's safe to say that they're not, uh, friendly or they didn't leave on good terms. Um, so yeah, so, so Elliot Friedman, um, who's who's been uh, big on on like reporting, like yep. uh, on reporting on on this kind of stuff, like he's been the lead guy in terms of like uh, media personalities that everyone knows. He's been kind of just like leading the charge of information on on this. Um, and there were some interesting notes um, that I came across. Uh, just trying to find out. Um, Oh, yeah. So he says there's no denying that timing of the decision is awful and foreign to what sports are and should be about. And the only logical explanation he's been given is that Chaka was given legal advice to do it this way. And it should be noted that around a week before this was this decision was made by John Chaka, uh, there was an extremely awkward Zoom style hockey staff meeting where President and CEO Xavier Gutierrez got on the line and asked Chaka to declare his long-term commitment to the franchise, Chaka was so uncomfortable with being put on the spot that he gave a half-hearted response. Right. Um, I think agreeing on a three-year contract uh, shows that you're committed to the team. Yeah. So I don't know why less than a year later um, you want a public on-the-spot um, speech that declares, I'm not leaving, right? Yeah. <laughs> And I and I and I got your back, and I'm going to be loyal to you guys. Like that, that that seemed pretty cringy. So right, yeah. Just just to add to your point there, Brett. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I got it. Um, <laughs> anyways, so as you mentioned, he signed a three-year. Chica uh, signed a three-year extension last year to remain with the team. Um, he also traded for Kessel in the last offseason, and he also <laughs> uh, traded for Hall uh, during the trade deadline. Um, and, uh, you know, so, um, and there's still like, even if, if this was a standard 16 team playoff at the moment, the season was canceled, the Coyotes would not be in it. So, um, so those, even though Hall actually was pretty good, um, during his time, they wouldn't have made it. Um, and then he also gave players like Keller and Dvorak, most notably, a long-term contract to the point where they're the most like caps they're even more cap strapped than the Toronto Maple Leafs which I didn't even know was possible 
Yeah, um, and like a few years a few yeah. years ago, like they they were one of those teams taking on bad contracts because yeah. like oh they're not in a position to win right now, but just to wait in a couple yeah. of years, and now they're up against the cap, which isn't going to go up or down. Like it's yeah. not going to go down, but it's not going up either, which impacts your ability to stay good or get better. Right. Right. Um, and that's like and to your point, it's like they only have one more year left of Marion Hosa's contract um to deal with and Mm -hmm. then but like even still they have like a long-term deal with Clayton Keller who's making who's going to be making seven million next year uh then you have like long terms from Christian Dvorak Nick Schmoltz is another one Oliver Ekman Larson although that's grant that's like you should probably give him that much money uh, Jacob Chickren's I think Chickren's on a long-term deal yeah, as well. I was yeah. about to mention Chickren's another one. Um, and the mm-hmm. interesting thing is the Coyotes won last uh, yesterday uh, with Darcy Kemper and Nett. So it's, um, yeah, it's like, you know, the Coyotes are actually not that bad of a team. Um, but I think, like, when you see guys like Kessel and Hall, guys who were really good um, on their former teams, mm-hmm. um and they're not performing it's like it kind of stands out um yeah and same goes for guys like keller and dvorak because you expect more out of them um all right um also Mm -hmm. there was this uh combine combine scandal where they were testing prospects illegally and had like an elite um an edge on uh, other teams because they were like asking them questions and doing drills with these prospects not related to um, like not what they were supposed to under NHL protocol or something um, I don't think anything really happened out of that yet um, but he still kept his job I was thinking like immediately that maybe it had something to do with that or one of my league mates um, had mentioned that and that was like maybe it's something to do with that prospect scandal that happened when this first news story came out. But I guess it. I would it think. Didn't... I would think if that's the case, they would have done something right away. Right. Like right that right. was months and months ago that it was reported. Right. So like the fact that the organization stood by him probably adds to you know their pissed off meter, right? Because they're just yeah. like, we stood by you during this prospect scandal. We gave you a three-year extension. You're the GM, the president of Hockey Ops, and you stab us in the back like this a week before our series begins with Nashville. Like, right. Like, not cool, bro. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, given all that stuff with the Kessel trade, the Taylor Hall trade, um, and all these long-term ass- assignments, um, he also drafted Barrett Hayden. Um, there was mm-hmm. another guy um, that he drafted. Uh, I think it was I'm blanking on it I'll look later on oh uh, Victor Soderstrom was another one that was it turned out well for him but um, I think at the time people thought it was a bit of a reach same with Barrett Hayden Um, but like even Barrett Hayden it should also be noted that he traded he he traded up to get Soderstrom too because originally Philly had the 11th overall pick and he traded a first, and I think it was either a second or a third, um, to get the ability to pick Soderstrom, and then Philly took Cam York uh, like two picks later. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they, they they had to trade up a little bit to get him. Yeah, which is interesting because Victor Soderstrom wasn't like supposed to be drafted that high, or like on all the 
scouts list. He wasn't supposed to be, but whatever. Um, I believe, did he draft Connor Garland? Is that, does he get credit for that? I believe so. Uh, I checked the list of teams because he was in Arizona starting at the 2016 draft. So he was a part of four drafts. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Connor Garland's name did not pop up. So um, I'm trying to remember if Connor Garland was um, an undrafted guy that he signed or not. I didn't get too deep into the signings, um, but Connor Garland did not uh, turn up into the list of players that uh, Cheka drafted. He drafted Shikran, he drafted Keller, he drafted Soderstrom and Hayden, like you mentioned. Kevin Ball was another name as well. Uh, that was a part of the Taylor okay. Hall trade, but so, uh, I did not see Connor Garland's name on the draft thing. So it says here that he was drafted in 2015. Um, so. Okay. So he was, a, he was a Don Maloney draft pick oh, okay. uh, in the final year that Maloney drafted for the Coyotes. Oh, okay. So I guess... Okay, so he doesn't get credit for Connor Garland. But anyway, he doesn't get credit for Connor Garland. But still, like Clayton Keller and all that stuff is pretty good. Lawson Kraus, he made that trade for him. He's been kind yep. of underrated this year. So, um, so it may work out for him. We'll see. Um, yeah, and uh, Jacob Trickren is another one that's been pretty good for them as well um, in terms of top draft picks. Uh, but yeah, I think it. It's, it's interesting because he, like, I think a lot of the tr- trades he's made... Oh, I forgot the Derek Stepan and Anti Ranta trade as well that yeah. he, he did early on. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think that was a pretty respectable uh, yeah. trade. I mean, it cost him D'Angelo, but at that point, like, yeah, D'Angelo knew. isn't the guy that he was that he is this year exactly. offensively, so... Um, so there's that. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting with so he's he's drafted well um it appears and like i i think the kessel and the taylor hall trades it's kind of tough to know how he did considering like we don't know what pierre olivier joseph are going to be or what uh nick merkley is going to be like uh on the devil so um so yeah, it's it's kind of tough to judge the that particular those particular trades just yet, just because yeah. Prospects same and with the uh, Schmaltz and uh, Dylan yeah. Strome because it, it's tough to tell really what their careers are going to be oh, yeah, like. Yeah, Strome has too. has got the better line mates I think to play around, but Schmaltz has shown potential too. Yeah, Schmaltz so. Schmaltz was the best player on the or had the most points this year for any of Coyotes, even though it was like forty points. Um, so yeah so i think ultimately he did do pretty well um although i guess though i would i'm not a huge fan of the long-term contracts though um or like signing guys with the hopes that they'll turn into the guy you expect them to be so i don't i don't love that aspect of it but i think if i had to give him a grade i'd give him like a b minus i think um yeah. yeah, I think B minus too. Um, there, there are also a couple of other trades. Like the one that stuck out to me was um, Alex Galchenyuk for Max Domi. Oh and yeah, it's unfortunate because when Max Domi went to Montreal, he had the seventy-plus point season that was probably the least talked about in NHL history. Like, I, I remember him going to Montreal, but it wasn't until later I realized, wow, he got over seventy points in his first year. Damn. Yeah. But. Um, the, the thing with, with Max Domi and Alex Galchenyuk is they've been 
they've been decent, but they've also been inconsistent. Right. And Alex Galchenyuk was also a part of the Same deal that uh, got them Phil Kessel. So, right. like, even even that Galchenyuk for Domi trade, uh, it led to them unintentionally getting Phil Kessel. So, yeah. um, it's it's really tough to to grade those trades. I I would give them a B minus as well, Brett. I'd say that's pretty yeah. fair in in terms of just overall um the drafting he didn't uh, draft dylan strome but uh, they've been developing uh, some some pretty decent prospects for them and uh prospects i think could have good nhl futures for them um i don't think anything higher than a b minus because he didn't have we he didn't have the time well i guess he did have the time he chose not to use the time yeah to see if his moves were going to come to fruition or not. Right. If his moves were going to pan out well, that part we don't know. So I wouldn't go any higher than a B minus at this rate, simply because, you know, he was halfway there, but we don't know um, for sure whatever happened to all the moves that he made and if they were right. good or bad. So, well, although he was on the, like, he was the GM for like four years. So it's still like enough time, I guess, has passed. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, I do know what yeah. you mean. Yeah, and like he'd never been a hockey GM before as That's well, right? Too. Like this was relatively yeah. new territory for him, and he did a respectable job. So true. it's it's not great, but it's not bad. Yep, good point. Um, all right. Um, so who takes a chance on Chica next? I So I'm kind of conflicted on this because I feel like this is such an un- weird, unusual story because this never happens where like a GM just gets fired usually um, instead of like a GM quits um, and stuff like that. So um, like the last time I think like a management person quit like this was Patrick Waugh um, with Colorado as the coach and Patrick Waugh is no longer in the NHL. So, um, so I... I'm kind of conflicted where I feel like, yeah, he, he, he is still young and um, he did, he is kind of a good GM in the, in a sense, but I just don't know if um, it makes sense. Like if like teams are going to take him on when, when he actually lied to an organization. Um, so that's where I'm, I'm just, like it, it, like, and we don't know what Bettman's going to do, um, because his reputation's now tarnished. Um, yeah. Yeah, that you know what that that is interesting. I think um, I I do think that the only thing standing in his way of getting a job very very quickly is if uh, someone gets in his way, like Gary Bettman right. or like. A third party source that's just like yeah you you just wait one second here we still got some questions about your old gig that you left so right right um i think that could play a role in terms of his hockey mind there are plenty of i, I wouldn't say plenty of teams but there's a good handful of teams that would probably ditch their current option for john chaka and there are two names that come to mind uh chicago blackhawks being one because they need to draft and develop their young talent um they need to emphasize their youth movement um and the trades Stan Bowman has made uh, lately yeah. haven't been best I think his time is running out and now that Cheka is available um I don't think Chicago's gonna waste any time once their season ends doesn't matter if they beat Edmonton I think for the sake of their long-term future um Stan Bowman can't be part of it I think his time's up 
Uh, the other is Vancouver. And yeah. the reason I say that is because the divide between Jim Benning and the scouting department, um, Jake Vertanen was healthy scratched against the Minnesota Wild. Um, there have been talks Brock Besser may or may not be trade bait, right. uh, even though Benning has denied that. Um, but again, the divide between Benning and the scouting department is pretty significant. Um, that I think if John Shake is out there, um, you know, if, if there was, if there were like, you know, some decent names out there that, um, you know, weren't like doing like anything different, if they're just like from the, from the same like slice of meat that like Benning is from, then, then maybe the Canucks would just be willing to roll the dice with Benning for another year. Um, they, they can't afford to be too loyal to their guys. This is a winning business. We've seen it time and time again. I've seen it plenty of times with my own team. There's no loyalty in this business. And winning long-term is the name of the game. And I think the Canucks have a better shot at winning long-term with a new voice than Jim Benning. Uh, and if this season ends ugly against Minnesota, uh, I think it happens sooner than we think where John Chaka becomes a Canuck and Jim Benning's out of a job. So those two teams in particular come to my mind when I think of landing spots for Cheka. If it's a front office role that doesn't involve being a GM, maybe Seattle brings them aboard. But if it's for a GM job, Chicago or Vancouver are my two picks. Yeah, well, I want first off, I want credit for Chicago because I, I yeah, initially... you will get credit for Chicago. I will meet you halfway. I said Stan Bowman's time is running out. Yep. And then a couple months later, this happens, and you mentioned Cheka to Chicago. Yep. I could definitely see that. I will give you credit for that. Cool. But I've been calling off air in so, conversations with you on email. I said, Stan Bowman cannot be lasting much longer in Chicago with McDonough out as uh, one of the, the big wigs running yep. running that franchise. Um, because he That's supported Stan Bowman uh, even in the years where Chicago was mediocre. So. Yep. Um, I I will I will give full credit to Brett that uh, Cheka to Chicago he's he's called yeah. that and um, I think it's only a matter of time I think Chicago's the front runner yeah um, so yeah I want credit on that just because we've been exchanging yep. emails uh, and I I had suggested Chicago um, the other yeah the other teams as as you were talking I was trying to think of other teams um, that could be interesting for him uh, would be Florida um the panthers because i think yeah, you know they that's get another one too they get john quinville um and then you know they get all this like you know they they pay a fortune to get sergey Bobrovsky and it doesn't work out um and i so i feel like they may be trying like at wit's ends trying to find someone who could be, uh work for them um or i mean like it could still be the devils but obviously this this whole like tampering thing has to be sorted out. There's so, no way it's the Devils because they removed the intern tag from Tom oh, Fitzgerald. He's their guy. Got it. So never it's mind. not the Devils. All right, never mind then. Um, but uh, I think I think we have to wait. I don't like you did say that you think like immediately after the Blackhawks are out, like they're gonna sign John Chica. I don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, just because I think Batman, we need to hear what Batman has to say, and I think teams are waiting on that. Um, mm -hmm. to hear what what's going to happen with that. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I mean, it, it's like initially I thought it was strange that like 
because we heard that like teams like the coyotes allowed him to talk to the devils um and then we find out that like oh no it's just that chica just lied because he wanted to talk to another team so um so i think that just rubs people the wrong way um where do the coyotes go from here uh so there's there's some like campaign to get peter chirelli back into the nhl will for some reason um and i don't necessarily if understand if the coyotes yeah. want to ruin every ounce of progress they yeah. make go right ahead and i don't necessarily understand it too because it's like what's he yeah, gonna I do don't. trade taylor hall again it's like <laughs> you know? no he's just gonna let him walk in free agency this time what's he gonna do just get absolutely nothing fact, get less for him this time in fact here's the thing that's interesting is the best trade that chirelli has ever made was the phil kessel for those two first round picks and then uh, the worst trade he's made was uh, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. I guess you can make a case for Tyler Sagan as well, but yeah. for this instance. And then he goes on the Coyotes where he has Kessel and Taylor Hall back on his on his team. I don't, it's just like, that makes no sense. Um, but in terms of other GMs that are available, I guess Ray Shiro is still out there. Um, yeah, I think that's the only notable one so far. Um, yeah, that would be. Yeah, good. Um, it, it's 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 a little it's a little tough to tell. Um, cut. Well, I think I think first of all, Steve Sullivan's their interim guy. They're probably going to wait and see what happens here. Yep. And I think um, if the team that replaces, I think the team that potentially replaces um, or, or kicks out their old GM and replaces him with Cheka, um I think maybe they take a look at him depending on who that guy is, which is why I think they're going to be waiting as long as possible before they decide what to do with Steve Sullivan as the interim GM. Because yep. um, they have faith in him. If if they if they think he's the guy and they like what he's done so far, um, maybe they'll roll the dice with him. But I think they would be wise to go the proactive route and just wait and see what happens with Cheka and his future landing spot, because that future landing spot might just give them their next GM. So right. uh, again, it depends on what happens with Cheka as well. Yeah, it's a good point. But obviously, obviously Ray Sherrill in terms of available names is the one that sticks out to me the most. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so just to update you, Steve, I don't know if you're paying attention, but the Winnipeg Jets are up three to two with three minutes left in the third. Uh, Nikolai Ellers got the game winning goal or the he was the only goal that I've seen so far as we've been recording. Um, also, the Lightning are up one nothing. Um, Kucherov got the goal here. Um, yeah, uh, for anyone listening be, at home, you already know all this stuff, <laughs> it, and you should know the finals too because yeah, this will be recorded or at least the day after or so. Yeah. Um, it should also be noted: uh, Tampa led in their first game of the playoffs after the first period against Columbus, and that sure. meant nothing. So, still lots of hockey left. Although, for for Tampa this time, it's a round robin, so it's a, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and their top guys are performing. Kucherov assisted by point was the first yeah, goal. Yeah. So good news for them. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, so speaking of the Jets, as I'm watching the end of this game, uh, Shifley and Kachuk 
uh, made some controversy on game one, or more more likely it's Paul Maurice and Matt Kachuk made some controversy uh, round one. Um, as we know, um, anyways, um, so Shifley was injured on Saturday night by the ankle, it looks like. Um, nothing official yet from the team. Um, they've kind of been uh, mysterious about it, which is to be expected because it's the playoffs. They're probably going to use the unfit-to-play tag like everyone's yeah. been using. Although, um, but it looked like back of his left leg, back of his left ankle is what right, he was right. favoring. Right. Um, so it, it seemed like it was that. Um, but Shifley is not believed to be long-term, which um, is which good. Which is good news. Which is good news because the way that he was arriving and playing after it happened, mm-hmm. it just made it seem yeah. like he was going to be out for the rest, like even next season um, as well or something like that. And it would, it would he might not be the same, which is which is also a concern as well because he may not never be the same way. Because, right, I mean, yeah. you, if you look at Eric Carlson, like – um, I don't know if directly the Matt Cook incident has had anything to do with um, the other injuries he sustained, but yeah. um, it's been well documented that Eric Carlson, in terms of health, hasn't been the same healthy player right. uh, that he was before that play. So um, it's really tough to tell what uh, the long-term can... effects of that injury are right. going to be. Even though the team fears the recovery might not be long-term, it could be long-term because maybe – uh, Mark Shifley's skating suffers right. or his mobility suffers. Right. Who knows? It's all about conditioning there. Uh, but like yeah. conversely, like Steven Stamkos broke his leg uh, when he was playing against Boston in like 2013, I want to say. Um, and like he hit the goalpost and stuff and he's like, he's, he's still really good um, at hockey. So it, it can go either way. It just has to do with your conditioning um, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, and I think for like Carlson's case, it wasn't just the Mac Hook incident. I feel like there were other incidents where he he got injured even more or he aggravated um, a certain body part. So um, yeah, I think it's we'll see. I mean, I think it's time will tell, as they say. Um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, what what happened was uh, Shifley goes to get the puck that is on the boards um he kind of like falls awkwardly Matt Kachuk just happens to be there um and he kind of had to like finish his check um but as he was doing it he like incidentally uh hit Shifley's ankle skate um yeah so yeah. so what happens is and Shifley then, dumps the dumps the puck yeah. into I think it's around like the blue line I don't know if it's past the blue line or like just before they enter uh, the Calgary zone but he dumps the puck in and um he's he's in a bit of a tough position and Kachuk tries to get a piece of him they're going opposite uh, ways and and you know Matt Kachuk is a guy that, like most players you know he, um, it's not like one of those like late hits. So right. like, you know, it was a split second, just finish your check. It was yeah. a bang, bang play. And his skate comes off the ice and just gets a piece of Shifley in a part of like the left ankle area where there's yeah. not too much padding, which is why it's, I, I, I will say it's a bit reckless on Kachuk. He needs to control his skating bear, just like you can tr- control your stick with like the high sticks. You need yeah. to, control like where your skates are on the ice you can't be just like flailing them all over the place because that's how 
dangerous incidents like this happen. I don't think in the middle of the playoffs you intend to hurt a guy, especially no. when it's a best of five, when Calgary's still got a fresh memory of what happened to them against Colorado last year. They have something to prove this year. They're motivated that this year is going to be different. I doubt one of their best players is out there trying to hurt people on purpose. Yeah, I mean, you like to think that. Um, I will... <laughs> Even if it's Matthew Kachuk, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's that stupid. No, you know? no, no. Um, yeah, I, I think it's one of those situations where, like, um, where Shifley just fell awkwardly to the boards during a dump yeah. and chase. And then at that point, like, Matthew Kachuk just couldn't do anything, um, like, to stop it and just had to, like, finish his check. Um, and it just, like, it was just, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but yeah. it's just, um, that's just, like in it like if this was a random flames player and not someone who has the reputation of Matthew Kachuk um I don't think we would be talking about this um as as anything um because Matthew Kachuk has had history with guys like Zach Cassian um this year and Drew Doughty uh, the past two years so I don't think it's um anything um it's more of like a reputation thing. Like if this was Tom Wilson and Brad Marchand, this would be the same kind of story. Um, but if this was like, I'm trying to think of a random player, uh, if this is like Brian Rust, um, I don't think people mm -hmm. would be talking about it. Yeah, I do agree yeah. reputation has, has a lot to do with right. this. And so in my mind, I know it's Matthew Kachuk, but I, I, I just don't, I don't think it was intentional um because yeah it's just you you would have to be a sociopath to intentionally injure someone um like a matt cook level type of thing so yeah and yeah. and the thing with the matt cook eric carlson incident prior to that um matt kachuk like played on the line and sometimes on the danger of going yeah. over it he had already concussed mark savard savard was never the same player after that that was a few years prior to the carlson incident so at that point everything questionable that matt kachuk does was heavily scrutinized right um kachuk thankfully doesn't have that kind of a severe incident on his name like Dowdy versus Kachuk and when Kachuk was a rookie right. is probably the closest thing to dangerous as you can get that he's done. Um, but he doesn't, because he doesn't have that Matt Cook type of label on him, um, like a Mark Savard, Matt Cook style incident. Um, I think the NHL is a bit more lenient. I don't think they're going to be as lenient anymore. I think yep. um, the veil of the benefit of the doubt is gone and they're going to be keeping a close eye on this guy. And Kachuk, in those situations, in those close plays, he's going to have to be careful and he's going to need to be very weary of how he finishes checks nowadays. Right. Because just lifting your skate up just an inch or two higher um, is going to make all the difference in, in those close plays where people are going to point the finger at you and say, well, that guy, what he did was intentional. Again, you can't prove this incident was intentional or not, um, but one thing is for sure is that Makachuk needs to work on like how he finishes his checks yeah. and, and how he plays the game a little bit. He's going to have to be smarter. He's going to have to be a little bit smarter right. and I think he'll be able to adapt, but he can't be making these close plays anymore because everyone, everyone knows his reputation and um, 
I think the coaches are starting to clue in on that as well. I right. think they already have, but even more so now. Yeah, I, I take this more as like, like I'm going to give Kachuk the benefit of the doubt. Um, but if, if, like, if there's a similar type play sometime in the future that involves him doing this similar type of thing, then I'm going to be like, okay, he, he may have actually tried to injure Shifley. So it's, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for now, but, um, yeah, we'll see, uh, how careful he is in the future. I thought you sent me like a video of, uh, like an NHL serious host who made a good point about how like like it wasn't intentional and it wasn't um anything but like there's this culture of finishing your check and there should be like even if matt kachuk was like even though that incident wasn't intentional like they should still penalize guys uh, for that kind of play. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Coolius is yeah. the guy that you're talking about. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, because, and yeah, I, I that think would, the like, NHL needs to yeah. look into that. Because that would discourage plays like that to happen, even though yeah. I, I still think that there was nothing that Kachuk could have done at that point, just considering the momentum stuff and physics and all that stuff. But um, So I don't think it was intentional, but I think I could get behind maybe like penalizing the person and, and all that stuff um to yeah Kach- like it, it's just like the sean avery stuff on martin yeah, it's true. just like there was nothing against the rules at the time that you can do that but it's it's you know like a distraction to the game yep. that you don't want and you don't want to see stuff like that overshadowing and, um the on ice products so you yep. want to make sure there's a deterrent so guys are don't just say, well, it's not illegal. It's not in the rule book. So I guess that means I can do it. Right. Then you put it in the rule book and say, you do this, you're going to get penalized. Well, I will say, though, that a similar type play happened in the Flyers Bruins game. Um, and, right. And Michael Raffle um, was, is, is injured now uh, because of like a Jeremy Lazan happened to be there at the same time. And it was very, very similar. Um, luckily, it didn't seem as bad even though raffle's also injured um but like jeremy lazan got a game misconduct um even even though it didn't look as bad as uh, the shifley stuff so that's that's kind of the interesting part there um so and also to kachuk's uh credit he he said that it wasn't intentional he even says that their uh shifley and him are friends um and it yeah it i think they yeah. With Gary Roberts too. Yeah, they 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 train together in the off season, so they're um, it's not like a like they barely know each other or something like that. So that's um, that's good. And and to his credit, he he admitted that he he thought that it was unintended or it was unintentional. Um, Paul Maurice, however, thought it was intentional, um, given his reputation. Um, Maurice says, um, it was intentional. It was a filthy, dirty kick to the back of the leg. You can't see it on the program, the camera feed, but you take the, the blue line feed and you zoom in. He went after the back of his leg, could have cut his Achilles, could have ended the man's career. It's an absolutely filthy, disgusting hit. Um, the, we, we still haven't gotten the blue line feed, camera feed that, uh, Paul Maurice is talking about. Um, and Jeff Ward, the, uh, Flames coach said, I feel at this point in time I have to defend my player. Was there intent there to put his 
aid on uh, Shifley. No, there was no intent. I understand what Paul is doing. He's trying to get an elite player off on our team suspended. Um, and it appears that the NHL hasn't looked into it, so I think um, it didn't work from Paul Maurice's standpoint. Um, but yeah, it's also like funny because we, we didn't get a blue line feed that Paul Maurice was talking about. So, um, so it's like we can't really comment on it yet, but it's just... Uh, it's funny that he was like, if you look at it, like a different angle, it's like, well, give us the angle. Um, I think yeah. I think it's also a way to. I think Jeff Ward is bang on. Uh, yeah. The intern coach of the Flames is bang on when he says he's trying to get Matt Kachuk suspended because uh, Paul Maurice was asked how, how do you how do you handle Matt Kachuk's game and he's and it was some of the effect of oh just don't play it you know play play your game force him to play your game because if you, if you play his game and you fall into his trap, um, you know, that's, that's where he thrives because he's a very talented player, but he really gets under your skin a little bit. So you can't, you can't afford to play into his trap. So Maurice, I think is trying to unintentionally control the narrative a little bit and get everyone to talk about Matthew Kachuk and how questionable a play this is and why he should be suspended, why the NHL needs to look into it. And I think that might in turn fire his team up a little bit and really rally his team together. So I think I, it's it's tough to say if most of that is all for show. Um, I, I I think for the most part, it's to, to get everyone to focus in on Kachuk right. and just have the media talk about a different narrative. Because um, there's no question Mark Shifley is a good player and he's probably not going to be back on the ice for the rest of the series so if you're just like well if best way to level it out is maybe try to get matt kachuk suspended because like him or not he makes the flames better and he's a good player right so if he's not on the ice that's one less guy you have to worry about containing and and a guy that prides himself not not only on scoring big goals and piling up the assists but also pissing people off and if he's not out there to do any of those things uh, that's where the advantage falls on Winnipeg because, yeah, they don't have Patrick Lina. Yeah, they don't have Mark Shifley. They still have Blake Wheeler. They yeah. still have Kyle Connor. They still have Nikolai Ehlers, who did end up getting the game-winning goal. The Jets took game two. It's 3-2 final. Right. And um, they have Neil Pionk on the blue line and Connor Hullabuck, who's been an absolute beast in the net. So yeah. um, the Winnipeg Jets still have a good team to work with. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, is like the guys who scored today were Adam Lowry and Jensen Hankins, Harkins. Although the game winner was Nikolai Ellers, so he's mm-hmm. he's one of their better players. But like they're getting help from uh, deaf guys too. So um, although I will say though that like Shifley is going to be a huge loss for them, um, especially mm-hmm. if he's out for the entire playoffs, which is uh, certainly possible um, because like. As we've mentioned before, they like yeah we've talked a ton about their they don't have a ton, like as good defense as they used to. Um, oh, it looks like the Lightning scored here, um, but like they don't have uh, the their second line center hasn't been um, as good as they need to they need to be as well. Um, I mean, sure, they have Brian Little, but he has his own injury history, too. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, they went out and acquired Paul Stasny. Then he left in free agency. They went out and got Kevin Hayes the next year. He went to free agency, um, although I guess they did make a trade there. 
Um, and then, and now they got like Cody Eakin. It's like their center depth is, um, it's abysmal. So, mm-hmm. so we, and Little's not yeah. even playing, I don't think, in this series. Right. Um, and, he, and he's only played seven times this year overall. Yeah, so. yeah. So, uh, I guess they got Cody Eakin. Um, so, I guess that's someone, but it's still like, all right, um, it's not, it's not like a, a huge depth guy, which is, uh, kind of crazy considering that they have um, Connor, Wheeler, um, Ellers, and Line if healthy, um, you know, as like a top top four wingers um, who are all elite players. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's uh, uh, so that 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 could hurt them in the long run if if Shifley's out for long, which it looks like he is. Um, Andrew Kopp is another one. Um, Adam Lowry, as I mentioned. So, um, yeah, their top line center is Andrew Kopp. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, you mentioned Line A is also out too. It seems like it's like a hand injury. It didn't seem as serious as Shifley's. So, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in Game Three or Game Four. Um, but um, it's possible that he may also be out this round as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I, I, I still think Winnipeg has a good shot to win the series yeah. because it's just like Lina goes down, Shifley goes down. Like, we've battled through injuries all year, and we still got this far. Yep. Um, they might have to play boring hockey, and Hellebuck might have to stand on his head, but um, I think their chances of winning are still reasonably good. And the fact that they took game two, and now it's a best of three instead yep. of you have to win the next three in a row, it definitely helps their chances. So, right. um Winnipeg's still in it. Yeah, so we already um, we already asked some of these questions and answered them. Um, so we don't think it's intentional. Um, yeah. We don't think he's Matt Cook. Uh, <laughs> do we think Kachuk will get suspended, though? I think he'll get a warning. I think the most that will happen out of this is a fine. Yeah. Because uh, he definitely needs to be less careless with his skates. Um, and I think the NHL will make an example out of Kachuk and they will implement a rule before the start of the next season because uh, they can't have freak accidents like this happening. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, we say that now, but I think, like, I remember last year the whole offsides thing was kind of crazy, and I don't think they made any changes back then, so we'll see if they make anything now, now, but I will say though that like because Jeremy Lazan got penalized for that play, like the next day, I I think we're seeing a, like a step further where refs are like, okay, we actually should be taking this more seriously. Um, so. Yeah, and I I think I think it's the same as with like the hybrid icing. Yeah. Like the reason they got the hybrid icing in there is they didn't want any last minute battles for the puck to avoid an icing. And then a guy just maybe loses an edge, goes into the boards right. and hurts himself. And he's out for multiple months. I remember Mike Van Ryan of the Maple Leafs. Um, a similar play to that is where he got hurt going yeah. into the boards, trying to be out an icing or something like that. So uh, you want to take those, you, you want to take those plays away to put, for the sake of protecting the players. And I think that's strictly why they are going to implement this rule is to protect the players, Uh, not just, you know, 
the bottom six guys, every single player on the ice, including Mark Shifley. You don't want a guy like Mark Shifley or Eric Carlson being injured on a flu play and they're never the same again. That's right. bad for the league. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so what do the Jets... I mean, we kind of talked about this too, but what do the Jets do without Shifley? We both predicted the Jets to win in five. Does this change because of the injury? I think you you still have the Jets in five. Is that right? Yeah. The Jets are going to win in five regardless. Um, they might have to win some boring-ass hockey games and play tight defense. And, again, like I said, Hellebuck's probably going to have to be relied upon. But, depth, again, yeah. with guys like Jansen Arkin stepping up, with guys like Mason Appleton and Andrew Kopp playing uh, pivotal roles and scoring some big goals this year, don't, don't rule out uh, the Jets' depth. They still have some guys that can score, and this is their chance to really make an impact. So... Um, I think the Jets will have what it takes to beat Calgary. Um, and the, yeah. the Flames have a lot of question marks themselves, too. So True. Um, definitely Mark Shifley in terms of their two-way game, it's going to hurt. Um, but I think they have enough scoring to kind of offset the loss um, of Mark Shifley offensively. It's the two-way stuff that could hurt them later. Right. Um, I th Yeah, I, I'm actually – I don't know. I – I feel like this Shifley news um, might change my pick, but I don't know if I, because I feel like a big reason why I picked the Jets was because of like their, like like without Shifley, their centers aren't as good, obviously, uh, but like there's like a steep divide between Shifley and Andrew Kopp. Um, I mean, I know they, they still have Connor and Wheeler and Ellers um, and hopefully Line. Um, and obviously, you know, Hellebuck's the best goalie in the league right now. Um, so um, they still have some opportunity and their defense is kind of underrated now. Um, so I don't know. I think, yeah, I guess I I guess I'll go with Jets in five still, but um, I'm not as confident as I was before. Yeah, like I I think I think with the question we're asking here, is it going to impact their ability to win this series? Um, the question we're not asking is if they get by the series and Shifley's not back. Right. What are their chances looking like? I think in that case, their chances look worse, especially if they draw a very good opponent. Um, Winnipeg might be in tough there. But against Calgary, I think they still have a chance because there there's a lot of question marks with Calgary's top scorers. There's question marks with their goaltending without Travis Hamnick on defense. Uh, and an aging Mark Giordano, there's questions there. Um, so Calgary's got their own problems to look after. So in terms of winning this series, they have a shot. But if this lingers into part two of round one and Shifley's not there, um, could be a different story. Right. Um, so that about does it for us here. Um, yep. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud and iTunes and Spotify at Lace em Up. Our Facebook is uh, Lace em Up. Our Twitter, which is where we post the most on is Lace Up Podcast. That's where you get your latest. We pin our, the latest episodes on our Twitter. Um, so that's where you get all your episodes. And yeah, that's about it. I, I love that hockey's back. 
Um, yep. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Valsworth. We'll continue to talk hockey in episode 231 of the Lace Them Up podcast.